internet brand strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Dr. Andrew Whitman and you can find more about him at GetWarriorTough.com and he's been on the show with me a couple times this year. We This is our third season together. He did a show a couple weeks ago called Willpower Meets Action. You're not going to want to miss that. Two weeks ago was Facing Your Fears, so you can go ahead and look up these shows because they are really terrific. I think they'll help you out a lot. And today we're going to talk about releasing negative baggage. And everybody knows people who hold on to baggage. All you have to do is be in their space like two minutes and you're like depressed, you're, you can't wait to leave, and it feels so heavy, which is probably where the word baggage came from. Why do people hold on to negative baggage? What does it do for them? Well, damn, that's a, that's a, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why people hang on to it. And some of them, they don't even know they're hanging on to it. They don't even realize it, right? So it's a subconscious, just a habit at this point. It's been with them so long that they don't even realize that they have it, right? So, and it's hard to break it. It's almost like anything else, like any other addiction, right? That they, it's a, it's a, I was the fat kid in high school, right? You remember when I was telling you that? Yeah. And I got bullied. The reason I was the fat kid in high school, because I got bullied. I didn't get fat till eighth grade. I started getting bullied in seventh grade. And what I did is I started turning to food for comfort. Right. And I didn't realize I was fat till I got into high school. And then I realized I was the fat kid because then I got more bullying. Right. So, and then even today, when I look in the mirror, I could still see the fat kid looking back at me. Right. So a lot of times we internalize stuff and it's hard. It becomes part of our identity and it's hard to like change that. Sure. Right. So you have to like consciously decide to let that go. Just like baggage at an airport. You need to lose it sometimes, not going to baggage claim. Well, it's true because, you know, you, you might see the fat kid. I see like the poor country girl. You know, I don't see this, you know, successful woman who's, you know, a homeowner and a company owner. I still see this farm girl going, oh, can I get a ride to the library? Cause I need something to read. And I think those things stay with us. But some of us take it and make it part of our rocket fuel to launch. Yes. And other people embrace it as their lifestyle. And I can tell you, when I, about a month or two after I got divorced, I took both of my kids to the Grand Canyon. Now they were three months old and three years old. I had a double stroller and I was going to walk the rim because I figured no problems in my life could be any greater than the eons, you know, that you see. Yeah. So like there was this whole, you know, kind of ritual thing. And I parked the stroller at the rim and I'm sitting there on the ground next to the stroller and this busload of ladies gets off and they're all on some singles tour. And they were talking about their divorce, their this, their that, like the whole bus of complainers. And I was sitting there going, we have this amazing vista. Some people will dream their whole life right. just to see the Grand Canyon, just to be there. And these ladies, God bless them, were so busy complaining to each other, they didn't even see the view. And at that point, Andrew, I, I will never forget this because I vowed that I would not be that person that misses this amazing stellar view 
because I'm so clouded with whatever negative thing was thrown at me. And honestly, nothing that's thrown at us is truly negative. There's always something great, interesting, empowering, whatever that can come out of it. And those, that was one of the biggest pivotal moments of my life because I didn't want to be down. I didn't want to be stuck in this stuff. Right. And that's, and, and obviously it worked for you because what we said, but even before we came on the air is you, you're like, I don't have any negative baggage. I'm like, I know. Cause you and I, we dumped ours. Right. So, and that's a choice. That's the whole thing. It's a, it is a conscious and I'll even say it's a physical choice. If you imagine it like dropping a bag at the airport or going to pick it up at the airport, get, you know, it's on baggage claim, just leave it. Like let it be unclaimed baggage. Like forget that thing. You have to consciously in your mind do that. Right. And, and you might have to keep reminding yourself a couple times. No, no, that's not my bag. I'm not picking it back up again. Right. And until it's now another habit of I don't even carry that anymore. I've forgotten about that. bag. Well, and that's the beauty of it is you do forget about things. And, you know, I had to use a more ritualistic aspect. I would buy these journals and grab some, and I always had to be a new pen and a new journal. I know that's like a little OCD, but there were times where I was seriously, it was like I was carving things out of stone. I was so angry, so upset, so frustrated, so hurt, so whatever. And I remember like my hand cramping and I would write it in this journal. And when the journal was full of enough, I burned it. Yeah. And one time I dumped it like in, um, I didn't, it's like, Southern California, the middle of summer, you can't really burn things outside. And I didn't want anybody to read any of the horrible things I wrote. So I dumped it in a trash bin, like outside of a Walmart. And I always wondered, like, if somebody had you know, picked that <laughs> up and up. read it, they're like, oh my gosh, what a lunatic. But that was the way that I could process things and let them go. Right. So you're physically, it's just what I said. That was your physical, your version of physically dropping the bag off. Yeah. Right. Because I didn't want those thoughts coming back. I didn't want those feelings anymore. I'm done with them. Like it happened. That's happened. Okay. Now, now, now what? Yes. And this is a huge thing though. You face them and you got them out. You didn't just try to tamp them down. See, we were taught like a lot of times when we were growing up, stiff upper lip and don't ever let them see you sweat. Right. These kinds of things like keep it, you know, keep it all bottled up and all that. No, you got to process it. Let it out. I want to just interrupt you for a second because this is a great time to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is LinkedIn Talent Solutions. And, you know, Andrew, hiring the right person takes time and it's always time that we don't have. But you shouldn't let that time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidate for your business. And that's why LinkedIn is the best place to to post your job because they have this wonderful, you know, analytics. They have this this job board. They have, um, you know, this whole built-in system that helps you track everything. I mean, you totally have to check it out. It is so super cool and it makes it really easy to find the right person because LinkedIn screens candidates with the hard and the soft skills that you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Those are things like collaboration and creativity and adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and connects you with candidates who match your business perfectly. And that's how LinkedIn can make sure your job post gets in front of the people you want to hire. You know, people with skills and qualifications and other insights that help LinkedIn paint a better picture of potential candidates. It's no wonder great candidates are hired every eight seconds on LinkedIn, Andy. That's every eight seconds. So to find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn jobs, you can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash coach talk radio 
Again, that's linkedin.com slash coachtalkradio to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. That's linkedin.com slash coachtalkradio. Again, linkedin.com slash coachtalkradio to get $50 off your first job post. Now, Andy, we were talking about, you know, kind of sucking it up, the stiff offer lift, and you have this great story that you want to share. Well, you know, I've been married 30 years, you know, and my wife, I love, she's just awesome, smoking hot wife and stuff. But that does not mean we always, you know, never had a disagreement. I'll say it that way. Uh, so, and I remember when I was a sheriff's deputy, if we got in a fight on the way out, I would yell, someone's going to jail tonight, I'll tell you that, you know. So, and, you know, after the first person I locked up, I'd call her on the cell phone and I'd be like, hey, baby. She's like, oh, hey, uh, you must have locked somebody up because now you're all nice again, right? So I had a release, right? So taking a bad guy to jail was my kind of way of, instead of journaling, I locked somebody up. Oh, well, see, and the, the journaling was like the nice girl part of me that did. The second part is I enrolled in Krav Maga. And nice. those of you listening who don't know Krav Maga, it's kind of like the only place you can truly throw a giant temper tantrum in a controlled environment. Because you get to punch, you get to kick, you get to scream, you get to toss, you get to wrestle, you get to grapple. Yes, you're supposed to get away safe. That's what they teach you. But the process of that training, oh my gosh. Like one time I punched so hard with the dojo Frankie that I sprained my wrist and I didn't know it was sprained until I got home. And it was like the size of a, and he kept telling me, punch it out, punch it out. And I'm punching and punching. And I didn't know it, Andrew, but like tears were running down my face. This was shortly after my mom died. And um, I don't know what was in me, but whatever was in me came out on the mat. Right. It's a release. Right. And I, and I would encourage everybody to find some kind of process like this. So you did crab guy did hop keto, right? All these things, you got to have a release somewhere. And if it's not, you know, you don't like doing any of those things then go run half marathons. And if you don't like that, then surf ski. If you don't like that row something, but you, there's something. So, and this is this whole thing is the way the body is built that our emotions are how we perceive things plus hormones mixed together. Right. So, and if you don't, and doing those physical things balances our hormones, which allows us to perceive things more objectively. Well, so, it's true because you can go into a workout thinking, you know, something is horrible and come yeah. out going, that eh, wasn't so bad. Right. So, this is the thing. And you even said this I, one of the time, one of the shows we did, I can't remember which mm -hmm. one it was, but when you were starting doing the spin stuff, before that, you were drinking like Diet Cokes in the afternoon and not Absolutely. working out. Absolutely. All right, and it was messing with how your, you know, your entire business, your family, how your mood was and all that stuff. Right. So when you do something physical, you reset and you, you know, eat right and you get enough water and sleep and all that. You reset your biology so that your hormones are working for you. And I always say you can't fight your biology, right? So you're never going to get rid of the negative baggage if you're eating the wrong thing and you're not working out and you're not physically, you know, healthy. And all those things, like you're not going to be able to, it's an uphill climb. You can't fight your biology. So that's the first level of getting rid of negative baggage. Well, and which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because this is the thing that I, I wonder, because sometimes I'm really hopped up before my workout and I'm really mad. Like I'm fired up, you know, something happened at work or something, the kids said something to set me off. And I'm like, I got to go to the gym. And then I go to the gym and then I work out and I come back very peaceful but sometimes I'm very peaceful going to the gym, like, bye guys, I'm going to teach my spin class, happy, warm, and wonderful. And then I get in there and I start playing Welcome to the Jungle and I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, right. so which right, now, comes first? Well, I think it's which one do you need? 
I don't think it's which one comes first. I think that, see, when you balance your harm, and again, it's balance. So if you come in and you're dragging, like my little girl was this, we went to her, like one of her club lacrosse. She got out of school. We drove up to Charlotte's an hour and a half away. It's a, like a hundred degrees out. She's dragging. She gets out, she an hour and a half of stress, uh, speed and agility conditioning. She gets back in the car and she's like totally energized. Mm-hmm. Like this doesn't make sense. So it's balancing the hormones, right? So it brought her from a negative up. And then if you were raging, it brought you down. This is what we call balancing, right? So it, really it's not which one comes first. It's like, which one do I need to balance everything out? Does that make sense? Got it. Yeah. Right. Because when you said it's balancing, like I could start seeing this, like, you know, like leveling out, like, you know, when you're, when you're, you know, kind of like, you know, like leveling a, like a shelf or something like that. Like right. I need it to be nice and even. So if I yeah. need to tilt it one way or the other, one is high anxiety, one is low anxiety producing activities. Right. So we want to get off the emotional roller coaster, which, ba- and doing this physical stuff helps you balance out that emotional roller coaster. If you're going to straighten out those, you know, instead of going high highs and low lows, you're going to be a lot more even keel. Well, and I think, you know, when you look at, um, you know, releasing negative baggage, when my mom was towards the end of her life, I had this thing, which I called the trail of tears. And there was a walk that I could do that would go up, you know, behind my house and in the mountains and then come back down. And it was like, I hit a water faucet at this certain bend in the trail because I'd be like hiking up the hill, hiking up the hill, hiking up the hill. And no matter what, when I got to that part, that's like when the tears would start to flow because I am a single mom. I do run a company. I am a public figure. So bawling in public isn't really the greatest look for me. So I had to structure it. So every morning I would drop the kids off for school and take 20 minutes to walk my trail of tears. And I would talk to my mom and, you know, my mom was still alive at this point. I kind of pre-grieved. I was worse before she died than after. And I could get to that certain point, but I could count on that part of the trail to unlock whatever was bothering me. Now, I don't know what it was, but it was turning on the water faucet. And I'd have my big glasses and my my hat, and I'd be sniffling up the top of the hill the whole way and then come down feeling wonderful. And I needed to do that, Andrew, every day for like six, eight months. Right. And that, that was part of your process. And so what happened was you programmed yourself so that when you hit that part of the trail, you could be free. Right. So, and then your body, mind, and emotions all knew your board of directors knew when we got here at this point in the trail, that's when I could have a release. And so then you programmed it. So now it's just like, I hate to say it like this, but when we're, you know, canine dogs that are bomb sniffing dogs or drug sniffing dogs, you know, right. We would, you train them to go to the bathroom when we give them the command, you know, release. Right. So they hear release, boom, it's just like Pavlov's dogs, right? You, during the bell, we salivate, even if the food's not coming, now I'm hungry. Right. You do, it's, opera, it's classic conditioning. So you classically conditioned yourself that you could release when you hit this point in the trail. Right. And I still, if I, if I take that trail, I get to that point and I still, I start to feel like I, I don't, I'm not weepy anymore, but it'll, yeah. it'll like, yeah, it's like, that's my safe zone because I'm far enough up the hill that most people have crapped out like, you know, quarter yeah. mile behind me. They're not going to go up right. there. There's nobody around. There's no cell service. There's nobody to interrupt me. And I can just be and, and let go of those things for a while. Cause when you carry negative baggage or you carry these emotions if you don't release them like when they talk about the heaviness it'll drag you down i mean it will it'll stop you in your tracks yeah and it'll literally kill you eventually because we know that stress causes 80 to 90 percent of all illnesses like that's just science we know that 
right? So, and that's negative baggage is that stress that you're carrying. It stresses on all your systems, right? And so, you know, I had, uh, there was, we had a family friend, they were family friend. They were like in the labor and delivery room where my first two boys were born. Their friends were like 15 years, you know, and um, good church folks stole half a million dollars from us, you know, and that was some, it took me a little bit to get over that negative baggage, right? To where you're just not angry and kicking the walls. No. But if you, if you hang on to it, what happened? It wasn't hurting them any. It was only hurting me if I was bitter. Right. And when I found out, like, he didn't care. He already had the half million. He's on his way to getting another, you know, finding some other sucker. Right. Me being mad at them and care, does nothing. He, he didn't care. It didn't matter to him. It was only hurting me. So then I had to go through that process of keep telling myself, man, I, this is only hurting me carrying this bitterness. It's not right. hurting them, you know. Right. Well, it's like, like you know, that, that kind of betrayal, it's, it's very similar to my ex-husband's affair and leaving me for an older woman, which didn't make any sense to me. But, um, you know, it was supposed to go the right way, like supposed to leave me for a young woman. That I could understand. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, what? Yeah. I'm like, yeah. what? That doesn't work. Um, yeah, but when I look at that, they're like, hey, they've already moved in together. They're already making a new family. Like the only one upset about it was me. And that yeah. was a realization I had because I saw them and they're, they were happy at the time. And, you know, they're not happy anymore, but they were happy at the time. And so I would really have some heart to hearts with myself. And, you know, Andrew, it wasn't the broken heart. It was my ego. Right. It was like, if I really got down to the nitty gritty, what was I most mad about? That they used my company charge card for hotels and dinner. It wasn't this broken heart for me. I mean, that was a real big eye opener for me going, I think I was more upset about the money they took. <laughs> you know? Right. And that I was a sucker. How could I let this happen? Like that's exactly. for me. It was like, how did I let this happen? You know, it was like, yeah, well, oh, I'm with you. Right. But I don't think like my ego didn't like that answer. No, but you know what? It, it, it helps you to like, and again, we have to take control over it and say, all right, look, is this helping me or hurting me carrying this negative baggage? Right. It's hurting. So I'm not going to, they already hurt me. I'm not going to let them continue hurting me. So I'm going to well, throw they're this. they're not. That's no, the funny but, thing is they're, right, not. they're not. I am. Right. You're continuing to hurt yourself, but, but, but you're using them as the, you know, the punch, the straw man, as they say. Right. Right. As the punch dummy, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, that's the thing with so many of these, you know, when I think back to the times that I carried negative baggage, like heavy ones, they weren't continuing to do anything to me. I was doing it all through myself and it was all in my thoughts, usually late at night. <laughs> right, right. Which is even worse because that's like your inner sanctum. You know what I mean? It's like they've invaded your inner sanctum. Those right. thoughts. It's like the 2 a.m. punch fest or slug fest. You know, I'd wake up at 2 a.m. going, oh my God, can you believe this? Oh, I can't believe I, oh. And then I realized, wow, all this stuff starts with I. That's when I got the yes. clue in that like this was my ego, not my broken heart. That was, right. the, was the bad part. Right. And yeah. Yeah, because I think if you look at your your thoughts, like your negative thoughts, how are they? Because if it's like, oh, he did this, she did this, they took from me, mine was That's like a, that. yeah, that victim mentality and the blaming. And again, yeah. like I said, I've said this before, like this is what we teach is that elite warrior mindset. I'm the problem and I'm the solution. That's right? right. They took advantage of me. The problem is that I didn't educate myself or I was unaware, you know, or I allowed myself to get conned. I'm the problem. But the good news is I'm also the solution to this whole thing. Absolutely. Right? So, no victim mentality here. And I think that's a lot of the problem with negative baggage is that victim mentality. Like it's always somebody else's fault. Hey, listen, man, I just take complete, 
I don't have a no-fault belief system. I'll say that, Sandra. I don't believe that everything is just case sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be, and everything happens for a reason. People say that. I'm like, yeah, it happened for a reason because you made bad decisions. That's right. why it happened. Right. You right. know? I sleep at the wheel. That's how it happened. Exactly. You know, I hooked up with the wrong person. I didn't follow the, you know, the signs that were all there. I ignored them, you know, to my own peril. And it's not, it's not their fault. Listen, the guy stole it. That's, he did not do the right thing. He stole 500000 but I'm the one that let him do it. I mean, it was my right. money. I, he didn't hold a gun to my head. I signed the checks over to him, you know, right. on these real estate deals. No, I hired her. You know, they should, really should teach you in business school not to hire your husband's mistress. Right. There should be a class in that. <laughs> but, you know, but, you know, we laugh about these things and they do, it does get to a point where it is a little funny. You know, I was going through a whole bunch of papers the other day and I found all these old newspapers. And I'm thinking, why did I save these? And there was an article written about me for the work that I do with the Marine Corps Toys for Tots, you know, 20 years or 30 yeah. years, whatever, doing all this stuff. And there's a picture there, Andrew, with me and my ex-husband and his, his girlfriend at the time, you know, even though I didn't know it. Yeah. And there I am standing up with my plaque with the Marines, you know, where they're in all their full dress. And I'm so happy. Look at all these things we've done for children. And he's standing in the back there with her. And I looked at that picture and I thought, you know what? That's so perfect. Because where was my focus at? My focus was the, the service that I do with the Marines, my work, yeah. like my brotherhood. He wasn't part of that. Man, that's so a brilliant after shot. action report. Yeah, it's a brilliant after action report on your part. Seriously. Yeah. And I kind of looked at it and thought, wow, that's really pretty, you know, pretty typical or pretty, pretty obvious. But at the time, all I saw was, look, we made a difference. Like we did this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, absolutely. And so I wanted to get rid of the negative baggage. I want to always take my part of a responsibility for it, which is all of it. Cause whose baggage is it? It's all mine. It, if it's I'm mine. the one carrying it, it's mine. So I'm going to get rid of it. I can also get rid of it. So I, I think that's the, really the key is that you just have to, be responsible for your own life and let everybody else be responsible for theirs. Yep. And your own thoughts, because I think the thoughts mm -hmm. are the biggest part of all this. And I ended up using, there's a guy, Dr. Joseph Gallenberger, and um, he does a lot of different um, meditation. Uh, just, they're just meditations. They're guided meditations. Cause what I found is when that hamster wheel up there starts going or ruminating starts going, I have a real hard time bringing it, ramping it back, bringing it back. And I'm not somebody that's going to turn to drugs or alcohol or food to ramp right. it back. But what I did find was finding some of these meditation CDs. It was a guided meditation for abundance, a guided meditation for forgiveness, yeah. you know, right. waterfalls and beachfronts, yeah. like all those good things. I could listen. You know, that was one thing that worked for me and it may work for other people when you have those ruminating thoughts that, that pull those, you know, start packing those bags again, those heavy bags, because you have to stop that thought process because that's absolutely. That. And when I was in court, um, many years after I got divorced, I had to go to court and I forget what I had to go for, but I was there with a woman whose husband was head injured. Now she was going to divorce him because of domestic violence. And he had three or four domestic violence charges against him. And I looked at him, I thought, not this man, he adores you. And what happened was he got injured at work. A box fell on his head, like just the dumbest thing. And he lost all of his memory. So he started out fresh. So she's married to him. Now they have a good relationship. And I was just so floored listening to the story going, how is that possible? But 
basically they just erased whatever trauma led him to be abusive, whatever in the relationship, it just got erased. Right. So, so the program, yeah, the programming was gone and we could reprogram, right. Reprogram. And he was, he seemed like a nice guy. I mean, he, he, you know, I don't live with him, but she was there to help him. And she wasn't there for like some multi-million dollar settlement. I mean, we were sitting there for like an hour. She told me her whole story and how she was going to divorce him and she was going to leave him. And she's like, now he's such a nice man. And she never told him anything about his terrible childhood that helped create yeah. the person. Yeah, let's not became. bring that back up. Right. Right. No, packing those suitcases. Yeah, you're 100% right on the thoughts, right? And so what we found out, there's a mind-mouth connection. Like, so yes, listening can help, but the biggest thing you could do to stop your thought pattern is to, to speak. Yep. So like, here's an example, right? So I always do this in my corporate training, right? In your mind, start counting backwards in your head from um, 1,000. Mm -hmm. So start counting backwards, 999, 998, 997. So keep the count going. And now say your name out loud, go. 1,900. No, say your name. Oh, yeah, say your name. Right. right. So then where, what happened to the count? When you said your name, what happened to the count in your head? Oh, I, I couldn't even remember where I was. Right. So it stopped, right? So, so as soon as you open your mouth to speak, it changes the track of your mind. Ah, I get it now. I get it now. So when you're at night, late at night, ruminating on these things, start talking about something else. Yeah. So remember when we, I, I guess it was a couple of shows ago, we talked about my morning ritual where I had like the fruit of the spirit thing and my little affirmations that I say in the morning. And I wrote those all down, right? I'm going to live in love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, even temper, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, jealousy, meekness, humility, self-control, right? I wrote those down. Now I say, when I'm saying that, I can't think of anything else. So all these negative things are going to pull that sheet out and start saying out loud what's on this sheet, right? Or I say out loud all the things I'm grateful for. I'm going to say out loud, you know, all the great stuff that's going on. I'll say out loud my wife's name, my kids' names, their ages, whatever it is, but that totally shuts off the track of your mind of whatever track it was on. Now, I'm, I'm guiding my thoughts with my mouth. But you're also speaking life. Yes, well, that's why I want to make sure I'm speaking life, not death, because it also works when you're, you know, when I say cursing people, not cussing them, but cursing them, you know, where, you know, remember, remember Dick Dastardly and Muttley and all that, you know, that's old yep. cartoons, but, you know, you know, where you're just, you know, running people down. I always want to point my, you know, what I'm saying, um, put it in a direction that helps me instead of hurts me. Right. Right. And to stop that, either derail that train or put that train on a different track. Because right. we do, like you, you talked about neural pathways and, you know, I always looked at it as train tracks because, you know, I have certain thought patterns that if I start thinking things, they will follow a certain preset Correct. pattern, yes. whether I want to think them or not. Right. Well, that's what in every book I've written, um, I have what I call the good list and the evil list in it. Right. And there's 15 categories of what I call evil, which is adversity and affliction and calamity and anxiety and worry and self-pity and grief and harm and sorrow. Right. That's the bad list. The evil list and the good list is beauty, bounty, better, the best, happy, welfare, cheerful, glad, lighthearted, willing. Right. So I'm going to think of things on the good list. Right. And speak things on the good list. And like I'm going to dump all the junk on the evil list. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get rid of the negative baggage is I'm going to like, I, I recognize this is evil and I'm not doing that anymore. And then I'm going to go to the good list and I'm going to, this is good. And this is what I'm going to focus on beauty and bounty and the better and the best and happy welfare, cheerful, glad, lighthearted, willing, relaxed, right? All these things that are beautiful, precious, right? And, and then 
as you're going down that track, you don't have even, you're like, what negative baggage? I forgot all about it because I'm, you know, in this hand, I have good stuff. And over in this hand, I can't even remember what's in there anymore because I'm focusing on all the good stuff that's in this hand. Right, right. I mean, it's amazing how, what a choice you can make in your enjoyment level of your own life. And it's 100% in your control. Right. It's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice how you want to show up. It's your choice how you want to speak. You know, I was watching on Facebook the other night. A lot of parents were angry at one of the gym teachers at the high school, and the gym teacher wasn't present. And this was like a good old-fashioned lynching, you know, and there was pile-on after pile-on. And, you know, I really didn't feel like, you know, sticking my neck out last night. But in years past, I had always been the voice of wisdom. Hey, that guy's not here. He really shouldn't defend. And then, you know, then the anger target just turns at me. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't feel like fighting that battle last night. But I thought to myself, wow, look at this pylon and how amazing it is that this conversation could turn south so quickly and everybody just throwing their angry feelings about everything from politics to the environment to the economy. You know, it just became a regular slugfest. And what did that accomplish? Nothing. No, nothing. And it's, it's amazing. That, and that's that, like the group thing too. Everybody jumped on board really quickly with that. Yeah. So, and we said this before, negative baggage. You said it at the beginning of the show. If you hang out with somebody that has it, you feel like you got, like you got to take a psychological shower or something after you've been with them because you just feel dirty and heavy. And right, Don't hang out with those people. Right. And I don't, even if they're related to me. Nope. Right? I, I, I don't care if you're you know, my parents or you're my brothers and my sisters. or whatever, I, you know, I, You're not going to be in my airspace with that stuff. If you want to have a pity party, right? that's on you. Don't bring that in here to where my house is. Right. Right, because so, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't even think it makes the complainer person feel better. No. Because and it consciousness, right, and consciousness is contagious. It only makes you feel worse. Well, for me, I get really combative. You know, like a lot of times I live in an invite, I live in a community where most of the people are married, long-term, you know, I'm, I'm really one of the only single moms. And it's always funny when they come and complain because I'll say things like, yeah, it must be so nice to have a husband to complain about. Like, you yeah, know, I kind of right. make it yeah. like, you know, tongue in yeah. cheek. But yeah. recently- It's tough having two, having two incomes. Must be yes, hard. and that is so yeah. tough having two incomes. And I realize, yeah. like, I am single by choice. You know, I have chosen not to remarry and bring anybody into my children's household. Um, so that's my choice, and I'm happy to live with it. But it is always funny to me when, um, you know, when I hear these things, because when I look at them, they're so blessed, all of them. Like, even if their marriage is unhappy, there's still blessings to be found in there. There's two incomes. There's a stable Absolutely. household. Like, you know, nothing's perfect. No. And I always tell this to people, like, if you find the perfect place to work or the perfect person to marry, don't go there because you'll screw it up. Right. Or it's a fantasy. Right. It's not real because you'll mess it up because you're not perfect. So if you find the perfect place to work, don't go there. You'll screw it up. If you find the right. perfect school, don't send your kids there. They're going to screw it up. Right. Because right. we're not, per no one's perfect. There was only one perfect person and they killed him. So like, you know, get off it. 
Right, look what we did to him. So yeah, don't worry really about it. Yeah, so, yeah, don't be lining up for that job. Okay, so, yeah. But no, consciousness is contagious, right? So no, this is one of the things I do. I don't get, I, I don't get combative anymore. I used to, you know, when, when people told me they're evil list and stuff. But what happens is when people are complaining and they're miserable, right? And they're, I, I, I tell you all the good things that are happening in my life and it drives them insane. Like they will, like they, they'll just leave. Like you'll be at like a tailgate or something and they're all complaining about this teacher and that teacher. Now I'll just start saying all the great stuff that's happening in my life and they'll just walk off like quietly one by one. There'll be no one else standing there. Sure, because they're repelled by goodness. Right. So that's, I always overcome evil with good, right? So my beauty bounty better in the best list. You know, just say how great my marriage is, how great my kids are, how great my life is. Right? I'm saying all this great stuff I'm grateful for and they just, they just slink off. Yeah, but the funny thing is, is you are. No, I, yeah, right. I am. And I, I figure mean, I, I have permission. True. I you try not to brag about it, right? But if, if you're going to complain, I figure I have permission to, you know, be grateful. Well, and that's the funny thing, because some of the criticisms I get are, you know, she's always in a good mood. She's always so perky. How can she be so perfect? How can she perky? You know, yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, I have feelings just like everybody else, but I don't bring my negative stuff to the ball game. I don't bring it to the right. soccer game or the hockey game. Like, that has no place in it. My job is to get along with all the other parents and to create a great environment for my kids to play sports. Like, right, and I'm not bringing it to Facebook and broadcast it everywhere. No, no. <laughs> it always cracks me up when they go on these rants, and I'm like, man, that just, you know, do you know how silly you look to everybody right now? You're just ranting and complaining, and then you put it out there for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, it's like so funny that you would do that. But, the, so, but if I put great stuff on Facebook, you, you don't even get a click, nothing. People would just, like, nope. disappear. Be like, hey, he's bragging again, you know? Hey, man, I, I got a great life. I love it. Me too. You know, like I have a great life. Like I, is it, is it the typical conventional life? No, but I get up every day happy. I get up every day excited to see what my kids are going to do, what my work is going to bring and what I get to create. I mean, what more could I ask for? Yeah. Would I love a long-term, you know, happy relationship? Sure. That's in the stars when it, when it materializes, I'm not going to lose sleep over what I don't have and miss all that I do have. Right. And, and this is the thing that I, I think people be like, well, they're lucky. There's a, a a quote that I absolutely love by Louis Pasteur, who was the guy that created like penicillin after his kids died, right? Remember the pasteurization of milk, right? right. His kids died, you know, because of that and he fixed it. Um, and he said, this chance favors the prepared mind. What is right? it? So chance favors the prepared mind. So we have prepared our minds and we've prepared our lives so that when the chance that came, the opportunities that came along for us to have great lives, we took them we because took them. we were in a position to take advantage of them. Right. right. Because we were prepared mentally to grab onto it. Now, people that are on the negative baggage, you are not prepared. You could have the greatest life come right up, kiss you wearing red pajamas. And because you're not mentally prepared, you wouldn't even know that that's what it was. And you'd probably complain about the kook in the red pajamas that just kissed you. Right. Well, it's, I wouldn't have a radio career. You know, when I started my radio career, my mom was dying and I was going through a, you know, my divorce and, you know, having to deal with the fallout in a small town with my ex-husband's affair. And, you know, it was a bad time. Yeah. And I was working an army job. I was working for Go Army Homes about um, helping families move, uh, like PCS move to different locations. And yeah. you know, we're going back 12, 13 years. So we were creating these great websites that had like the Walmart, the schools, everything that, you know, a family needs to PCS from, to move from one location to another. And 
I remember sitting there and I was working with a National Guardsman, um, a Marine who's flying an F-35 right now, and uh, a, a guy who washed out of the Army because of his eyesight. He had an eye injury. And they give me this opportunity to be on this radio show and have my own radio show. And I looked at these three guys who were all in their 20s. You know, I'm in my late 30s. And I'm like, they want me to do a radio show. What do you guys think? They're like, go for it. Like, why wouldn't you? Right. And on a just blind trust, because these guys, I would go into battle with any three of these guys. They had my back on every turn. I hired them right out of the military. Great guys. And I did it. And they sat with me. The first show I did was with Dodia, the Department of Education. And I forget the lady who I interviewed, but she was like, yes. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. No. I mean, yeah. and I was shaken. I was sweating. Oh. And the three guys were sitting there and they're like, going, yeah, you know, thumbs up. You're doing great. You're doing yeah. great. That was the longest hour of my life. Oh, the one word answers. Oh, brutal. Brutal. And then they have DODIA. I can't remember what it stands for. Department of Defense Education Association, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but it was rough and it was full of acronyms. And then the Pentagon site didn't work that I directed everybody to. So, I mean, crash and burn on all levels. And my personal life was in shambles. But you were right. It was like prepared. I was prepared to take that chance. Even yeah. though everything else in my life was going one direction, I thought, well, what if? And you know what? Right. If I was bad and I never did it again, so what? So what? Right. But you're, and again, look how lucky you are with this radio career. No, because you like, you were chance favored the prepared mind. As soon yep. as the chance came, you took it. I took right? it. So yeah, absolutely. So that's a huge thing about this mental baggage too, that you could blind yourself to having a great life and any opportunity that comes along because you're just so blinded by your bitterness. Sure. Well, and I could have been blinded by my bitterness easily on any Yeah, level. and listen, you had the right to. I'm not even going to tell you. Like, listen, you had the right to be bitter, right? No one would even keep that from No one would ever say that you didn't, yeah. right? But you didn't allow that to dictate the rest of your life. No, and you know what, Andrew? I didn't like the way, I didn't like that person. You know, like when Bitter Sand showed up for a couple, yeah. you know, you know, showed up a couple times in my life. I didn't like that person. I wasn't that person. And I'm like, you know what, whatever this is that, you know, God has put in my plate to handle right now, it's not going to change me for who I am. Like that's, right. that was the, the, the core belief that, that I think wouldn't allow me to carry that negative baggage too far. And again, you're dropping mad wisdom because you made the choice at that ground zero level and said, I don't like me when I'm acting like that, or I don't like that person. So I'm not going to change who I am because of all this bad stuff that happened. Right. Right. So, and again, that was your choice, your thought process and a decision that you made within yourself right. and you didn't allow the externals make the decision for you. No. And honestly, with most of this stuff, like look at your 500,000 and look at my, you know, the, the crash and burn in my marriage. It, I take full responsibility for everything that happened and I, I corrected everything that I could to make the life that I have today. However, most of that stuff had nothing to do with me. Right. So and why would, yeah. like your guy that stole money from you, what did that have to do with you other than you were the, the target, the source, the, the fuel? Right. But I learned so much and I'll tell you like that 500 grand, it was like the best college money I ever, like it's better than my college tuition in my life because of what I learned to understand the con, right? And it actually put me on this track 
where I, I have the second day of my corporate training is people whisper where I studied exactly what do con artists do and the science behind how, like, how did I, like he was, he didn't know he was doing it, but there was science behind what he did that made me hit the triggers to trust him. That's what con confidence artist is. Right. And, but, and, and then we could use that though and only use our superpowers for good. I studied it. So now I, I don't get conned, but there's also principles there in leadership of how I could get my kids out of their own way to hit targets and be successful and how I can also help my employees get out of their own way, right. To be successful and how I can help in my marriage. Right. That what I call people whispering my wife and my wife, people whispers me where we have to like help each other get around those issues so that we can get out of our own way. And I learned that from this guy conning me. Sure. Sure. Well, I look at, you know, I look at my divorce and, you know, losing my company, losing my livelihood, losing all these things. Okay, call them losing. Or I could look at with my kids, they're like, wow, mom, that must have been really tough on you. And I said, yeah, but you know what? It was great too, because it allowed me the ultimate do over. Right. When something burns down to the ground, you lose all your money, you lose your company that you built, you lose all these things. To me, at the time, it was really painful, but there was a little part of me that was like, did you really want this in the first place? Starting fresh. You're almost like the guy who got knocked on the head with a box, man. Exactly. <laughs> I get to restart and I get to, like, I call it bouncing with style. I got to bounce back with style because, you know, when you are 40 years old and your world comes crumbling down around you, you're not 20. You have 40 years walking this earth of wisdom and experience and grace and all these things. So yeah, things happened and, and, you know, I lost a lot of things, but when I rebuilt, I rebuilt them differently. I also rebuilt them stronger, more bulletproof, but also to serve me more in the greater good. Whereas I didn't have that knowledge in my twenties when I, when I did this the first time. Right. Uh, And, and you know, your purpose is more dialed in, right? So then you set it up to help you fulfill your purpose instead of just throwing mud on the wall. Right. That's all. That's so good. So good. So you start over, but you're not starting over from scratch. No, you just dump in the negative baggage, keeping the good stuff. And then you're off to the races. Well, like I said in court, like, you know, she gets a Christmas card from me for life for taking a 200 pound problem with my hands. Like, <laughs> you know, like I get, you can, you can look at things and go, there's a lot of good. Even my mom's death, watching her suffer and watching her die gave me so much about knowing how I wanted to live the rest of my life. Mm. You know, that was really like, I'll I'll leave you with this one uh, vision. You have to imagine my mom, 74 years old, no breasts, bald head, sitting out on the raft in our lake. And my son was afraid to dive. Now, my mom was always afraid of deep water. She's not a strong swimmer. She stands up on the raft and kind of belly flops into the water. And my son goes, Grandma, I didn't know you could dive either. Or I didn't know you could dive. She goes, I didn't know either. She goes, I just figured I don't want you to be afraid of diving. I was always afraid of diving. And she dove. And I'll never forget that. Like, you know, she knew her time on this earth was limited. She looked at my son, her grandson, and thought, I don't want you to be afraid of that. She spent her whole life living on a lake, being afraid of deep water. Wow. Wow. So when I look at that and go, none of that would have happened without, you know, my mom's terminal diagnosis and and eventual death. So as cornball as it sounds, 
her death taught me how to really live a good life. What a great gift. I think so. I mean, there's gifts that come out like unexpected gifts from all of the tragedy and trauma in our lives. They're, they're really not obvious in the beginning. I'm sure you didn't have the gifts from, from your experience. There was a lot of anger first, you know, you have to work (laughs) through that stuff, you know? Right. But when you get on the other side of it, and if you you look back, yep. And you chew on it. Like, that's the thing. You got to chew on these things. I think that, that the traumas in our life are like tough pieces of meat. You got to chew on them to get the good out of them. And if you do chew on them, nobody's saying carry negative baggage. Nobody's saying make it your life's mission. But when I look back at things, once the heat of the anger, the emotion, the grief has passed, you can start and look and go, wow, if this didn't happen, I wouldn't have a radio career. I wouldn't be living this rich, fulfilling life. My mom gave me, her passing gave me the permission to live differently because I couldn't get it any other way. Yeah, that's just fantastic. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, there we go. We're, um, if you want to hear more um, and learn more about Dr. Andrew Whitman, he's got a couple of books on Amazon. You can also go to his website, getwarriortough.com. Andrew, do you have anything else you want to leave our listeners with about releasing or leaving negative baggage? Behind? Yeah, it's, really, it's, it's a choice. It starts with a choice and then it, you just have to do the process, right? Because you choose to drop your negative baggage right? I'm not going to tell you, oh, I made the choice and then it goes away. You're going to have to do your process like like going to the Grand Canyon, like going to Krav Maga, like going, you know, riding a bike, you know, going to spin class. You're going to have to find a process. So I would encourage you to find your process, but also decide that you're not going to pick it up again. Amen to that. And you know what? If you go to yoga and you find you're unable to forgive, just stop doing yoga. That's what I did. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Get something else. I did. I went from yoga to punching and that's what works. So don't give up on yourself. Find what works for you and always move forward. We'll be back again next week. Cool. There we go. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.